hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Answer Show! Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zach. Woohoo! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Because he has a lot of chit spot. <laughs> Alright. Hello, and welcome to episode 374 of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I'm your host. Matthew Zachary, a proud 20-year young adult brain cancer survivor, coming to you now from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Broadcasting since 2007, the Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. I'm Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. It is not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, it's time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. On this episode, we are shedding a light on a great nonprofit called Grappling for Life. They provide free training in mixed martial arts to the youth of Lake County, Florida. Uh, founders David and Andy uh, Iterino join us to discuss how Andy's multiple cancer diagnoses led them to starting this uh, great organization, providing support to others, keep them, quote, staying on the mats. With our special Survivor Spotlight on young adult survivor Caitlin Keeley and a special in-studio guest, founder of uh, Survivor Glam Squad, the one and only Keeley Webster. going to be a great show. Hello. Hello. Mr. Kenny Kane. How are you? You are uh, embarking. I have senioritis. Yes. Uh, you've checked out like three days ago. Yeah, that, that is actually true. Just for those listening, this is a company. Uh, I am the boss, and we do a vacation policy. And Kenny, Imagine that. and Kenny and Sean have availed themselves numerous times of this. Mallory, have you taken a vacation? I have never actually taken a vacation. You really should take a vacation. My, my vacation days have gone to weddings. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. Yeah, I um, but happily, but unfortunately. Okay. So eventually I'll take you know one of those things and I, go somewhere. I just realized now of my six, five employees, Allie's taking vacation. Sean takes his camera to God knows where. Kenny just likes to turn us out of office on whenever he wants to. I do. Yeah. Usually. And I go nowhere. And where are you? you nowhere. I'm encouraging you. <laughs> Take May off. Just <laughs> the whole month. Good luck with that. <laughs> Get busy. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
I'll be gone the month of May. Mallory have fun with has that. left. <laughs> no, have a great time wherever you're headed, Kenny. I know JetBlue is enjoying your tweets. Uh, I'm going to Aruba. Yes, fantastic. I've been there. There's a great restaurant called El Gaucho. It is like the uh, the steakhouse of all steakhouses. It's like Churrascara. Remember that place near by here? Sure. Just like that. They cut the the you eat your eat everything. It's crazy. I'll mention your name at the door. Yes. Tell them Matt sent you. They'll have no idea what what I meant. Beautiful. Yes. And there's another great restaurant called Papamiento, which is on. It's in like a mansion that was renovated to be a restaurant. And there's like this giant pool in the backyard, and they have these um, uh, umbrella uh, tables for two or four around the pool. It's amazing. I'm most looking forward to, uh, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, uh, but what they do is they put whiskey into a Parmesan wheel, light the whiskey on fire, and then put the pasta into the Parmesan wheel and spin it around and then put it right on your plate. All right, you win. It's quite magical. I'm just going to shut up now about Aruba. I think you've already sourced it. It's quite magical. Cool. Well, we got a great show. Mal, you're okay? Besides um, not taking vacation? <laughs> oh, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm well rested good. without a vacation. And Sean, are you missing? Where the hell were you? You were in Patagonia, right? You and your camera. Yeah, I love that you subtly post photos every now and then. Oh, by the way, I went to this place like a month ago. <laughs> this very it, subtle. It, like... You know what? It's, it's pretty similar to your childhood, Matt, where every once in a while you post a picture. <laughs> I was a child. Yeah, you, you, you do... Do it worse. No, but you have this. I thing. didn't say worse. Oh, quiet, quiet. All of you, quiet. My my throwback's gonna blow you all away on Thursday, so I'll leave it at that. Anyway, welcome to the studio, Keely Webster. Hello. Hello. How are you? Doing great. So nice of you to drop by. What are you doing in town? I am visiting, trying to get a little bit of a chill. I've been in Florida too long, but I've had enough. Been here for a couple of days. Well, you're here during the heat wave. It was like zero yes. or nine, minus 20 on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely heat wave being around freezing today. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. It was nice. Yeah. yeah. So day. you are the uh, founder of um, Survivor Glam Squad, which we were made aware of a couple of years ago and brought you guys to OMG 2014 in Las Vegas. Yes. And it changed everything for our female attendees. Some of our male attendees, but mostly our female attendees. And wanted to tell us a little bit about what is... Survivor Glam Squad. Well, first of all, let me just say, our Survivor Glam, the rest of the Survivor Glam Squad team are so jealous that I've been invited to New York to the cancer to the stupid cancer headquarters here, <laughs> and yeah, they're they're giving me some stick. <laughs> That's okay. You you've earned it. You've earned the stick. But we give makeovers, complimentary makeovers to female cancer patients and survivors, and now men. Survivor Man Squad is. Uh, is creeping in the in the woodworks, um, and we go around the country at salons and uh, conventions, beauty, you know, areas, and we give the complimentary makeovers with a bunch of uh, a lot of mostly volunteers. I remember uh, seeing the. It was almost like you you had like this pop up salon mm-hmm. at the uh, the the um, the Palms in 2014. And then again in this year in Denver, and then coming up now, come this April in CancerCon 2016, you'll be there. And the, I don't think the attendees realize that this is like a, a side benefit of coming to that they get to. It, it's like they don't even know it's possible to feel beautiful when they're going through all this hard, terrible. And this is something so important to quality of life and mental health and self-esteem. And just literally holding your head up high and saying, I can do this. I'm strong. So how did this even come about? Like, where did, in your life did you say, oh, I'm going to do this now? 
Well, a lot of people are puzzled by that because I have never had any interaction really with cancer. I've never had a diagnosis. I don't know how it feels to be told to. That's a good thing. You know, and it's it's something that I came out of the beauty industry um, in like a, a, it's a brutal, you know, very contending with other others in the beauty industry. Um, and just to sit in the chair though and have somebody do you makeup do your hair, completely transform you. It, it gives you power. You feel powerful, you know, and you're able to go out and do do the job and just feel inside. It brings whatever you've got inside out. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, how do I how do I get this to people that actually need it? And I, we set up an event one day, and I didn't really think much of it. And uh, it this changed. was in, in Europe. Um, no, here this in the was States? in yeah, okay. yeah the first event here. Uh, it, it changed my entire career, career path, seeing seeing what came about that day. Uh, and I've, I've had to do it since. You know, every every event's got to be bigger and better. So we're so very grateful to be a part of CancerCon, Stupid Cancer, and to be able to do as many makeovers as we, as we can at that event. Yeah, I, like I said, the, the feedback was only positive. It, I go back to this. I like to say that people don't give people what they want. Give them what they don't know they need. <laughs> And they don't know it's possible to need a makeover for free. Right. All because you got cancer. Right. And like no one asked to get sick, but what a great way. What a truly great way. Do you get, I can only imagine the, the feedback that you've gotten over the years from the women that you help. It's not just, a lot of women don't, they realize afterwards, but it's not just about a contour and a little bit of blush. You know, once they see themselves afterwards, um, transforming it just brings an energy out and then you know it transforms them uh into something as well as the educational side of it showing them how to be pretty again um you know on on in the mirror you know their version of that right and it, it just it helps tremendously with overcoming or even after you know when the doctors said you're all good you're ready to go a lot of women are like well, well what now you know how how do uh, my skin's different my hair is different right. and we're there to teach and, and to show you how you know you can go about that and with with whatever you know you've got to deal with now you mentioned that there were a lot of people jealous that you're sitting here in the studio do you want to give a shout out to some of your team i do lisa Amorosi and we have Kimberly Atwood that were both there at the uh, event, the event last year, and we have two other other gals that are that are quite jealous. Um, Joanna and um, yeah, I think I it's think like the Joanna. Emmys, like you know yeah, who you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Very nice. So tell us more about how often do you guys, as a as a as a group, go out there and do these events. Um, we have a great event going on in Evansville around the same time in April, and that's benefiting one of the women that we have in our book, 105 Reasons to Smile. Yeah, I want to talk about the book, too. Yeah, and uh, that's that, that event up there is, is a nice little fundraiser. It's all in honor of uh, Julie Stallings, who unfortunately passed away uh, last year, uh, but she came to an, an event we did in Nashville in 2013, which really changed her whole outlook. She was actually a hairdresser, so she, in the industry, and she came for a makeover that changed everything for her, and she was our biggest advocate, you know, after um, that event. Um, but with the the book that we've developed, it's uh, very inspirational to those new, you know, and that have been diagnosed recently, 
um, to know that they're not alone. They've, there's many other women um, in the book that can testify to and give strength, you know, give it's a, like a life quote that they're asked to right. give, and it's uh, very, very empowering. And for those listening, I was given a, a sneak peek at the book just before we went on the air, uh, and it's wonderful. Uh, let me ask you, why black and white photos? That's something that our, our volunteer photographer um, would like to, you know, he's, he's kind of like the artistic. He likes the, the cutoff of the face yes. and really zooming into the smile. That That's what it's all about. You know, the facial right. features and the smile is the thing that we was really trying to get out of that. Because and, a, and each page is a woman and yeah. a, like a close up in black and white at the top, I guess, half. Mm-hmm. And the bottom half was just white. With some basic information about her name, her diagnosis, is she still in treatment? Just so people know, oh my God, there's someone else out there that I can look in their eyes and know that that could be me or that is me or I'm glad that there's someone like me. Yes, it's it's very much uh, like that and uh, it just really gives others a little boost. I've watched women flick through it and just come alive Um, and it's just I can't put it in really into words of, of how, how it affects and what it does for women, yeah. So before we get to our first segment, one last thing I love. The, and SurvivorGlamSquad.org is the website, yes. correct? You guys use, like, really great holistic products. They're um, pesticide-free and they're non-toxic and they're plant-based. Like, I, that obviously makes sense. We don't want to put the crap back into our body that we we're finally getting rid of. Um, was that an obvious decision when you got into this? Or did you, I mean, coming from Europe, everything over there is plant-based and toxic-free. We're the only country that gives you cancer from, like, lipstick. Yeah. Actually, um, doing my first event, I really knew nothing about it. I was a McDonald's junkie, and I never really thought about, you know, any any of that stuff. And uh, I did come to America and notice a little bit of difference in the diet and uh, Mm -hmm. how that affected me. Yeah. Um, but going along with the organization and seeing it grow, I've learned so much from everybody that it, that I've interacted with. Um, and it is just recently becoming aware of what you put on and inside your body yep. and just being a little bit conscious of it. Uh, we connected with a, a company in New Jersey, Alfrazel. They donate um, non, non-toxic products, skincare products. Um, the founder, Dale, she had a skin disease and she developed her own skin line and uh, she managed to, you know, completely eliminate that issue. Right. Yeah. So. It goes like, what the hell is in my mascara? Mm-hmm. That, that should be the hashtag for the show tonight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't thank you for stopping by. Well, you're going to be here. You're going to listen to the show. Chime in whenever you want. I mean, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about resonates around quality of life and just feeling empowered. Cancer can really... You know, easy to say it can be a downer, but, you know, it's it's amazing that we have groups like yours, and we're proud to be partnering with you. Thank you. So enjoy the show as you're sitting there. Uh, let's get to our first guest, Kenny. In our spotlight, Caitlin Keeley is a young Chicago artist who had surgery for a brain tumor a year ago. She's found reasons to smile in spite of a challenging recovery, and she encourages others to maintain or regain a positive attitude in the face of health problems. It's going to be a great interview. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Caitlin Keeley. Caitlin. Hi. So excited to finally get you on the air. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's great. I, 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 we don't do enough shows that bring up the conversation around 
brain tumors and malignancies and benign tumors and that they're kind of all the same and I had malignant and we have benign. It's, it's a fascinating conversation that a lot of people tend to think they're part of a stigma that doesn't exist. No, yes, that's very true because um, even from like my mom's point of view of being a caregiver and she's also noticed that there's a huge um, stigma behind benign and malignant um, tumors in general and a lot of people um, think that it's just, oh, it's benign so you're you're okay, you're fine, they could just go in there and cut it out but that's that's not true at all it's a lot more complicated and that's why I would wanted to come on and tell uh tell my story with you guys no and it, it's, uh, I'm reading here that you are preemie I have I have preemies I have twins they were born 34 weeks how preemie were you um I was at 23 weeks so wow. like literally Exactly, like literally to the day of being three months premature. Wow. Yeah. And look at you. Here you are. Your parents must be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So how old uh, were you when yeah. you had the brain tumor? You said uh, it was about a year I, ago, but how old were you a year ago? Um, I was... Well, I was first diagnosed um, four years ago when I was 21. Okay. That's when they first um, discovered it, like about a week after my birthday. And then I only had a very simple um, surgery to fix the hydrocephalus. Sure. um, That I developed. Because at the time, the um, neurosurgeon at the University of Iowa was like, um, I don't want to remove it because we're not too sure. It's about the size of a golf ball. Um, so at that time, but it wasn't until it'll be um, a year this upcoming February, um, the end of February will be a year. I had um, actual tumor brain surgery removed. So leading um, up to the actual diagnosis four years ago, we, you had, I guess, like standard symptoms. Were you having seizures or nausea or peripheral vision issues? Um, no, I actually, I've had, I've generally have had no symptoms my entire life. I did have really bad, um, the well, I think it's bad balance in a way sometimes. I'm a dancer. I've danced my whole life, but I've always had wobbly balance every so often so that's primarily the only like symptom but it literally generally just happened on my 21st birthday I woke up extremely sick like could not keep any water or anything down a really bad headache and so I I was actually at school away in college I called my mom I was like I don't know what to do. Do I have the flu? She asked me if I was stressed. <laughs> Sitting on my, my door room floor, like doing stress relief exercises. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, it just, I honestly just popped up on my 21st birthday. Like it, I guess it just got big enough where it blocked my third ventricle. And so I was, um, there was no like 
fluid um, leaving the brain. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, it just it just popped up. I would say, um, but it's something I, I was actually born with. Wow. What was the name yeah. of it? Did they give it a name? Not like Joan yeah. or Bob or Steve, but like biologically. <laughs> no, yeah. It actually, the funny thing is, it actually has two names. It, um, the, like, the first name it goes by, it's called Lumerte Duclos disease. And then the second name, it's, uh, it's also called, um, Dysplastic ganglioma of the cerebellum. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of syllables there. Yes. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, um, it's a very rare benign brain tumor of the cerebellum, and it generally appears in your early adulthood. Um, there are, I've generally have been connected to two other people through social media and they've actually been diagnosed with the, the same exact brain tumor but later in life um, in so, comparison to me so let's let's um, talk about life before and after then so after yeah. your surgery which is the big kahuna they go in your brain I know this I've been there <laughs> Um, are you different? Are you better? How are you coping? What do you, what would you say your biggest challenges are right now? Um, I would say the biggest challenge for me at least it's, um, it's, I pretty much, I, I, I don't know if it's to do with the brain surgery, but then also I've have been diagnosed with epilepsy as well. Um, so I have seizures. And so I'm a little bit more uh, slow to like respond to people or um, processing is a lot slower as well. Um, I'm just trying to think what else. Um, just generally been a little bit shaky as well. I have these like sort of, they look like sort of like ticks in a way, like my like body's constantly moving. But over, over, in comparison to before and after, I'm trying to get back my sort of momentum because when I was first diagnosed, it did really um, shake me. It lost, it sort of knocked my confidence out. I was going to school to be, um, I, I was going to college for a uh, bachelor's degree in art. And I was doing all this art that was very emotional and very uh, powerful in a way, very visual. And then I just completely lost it. And and so I'm trying to get that back and trying to uh, get that sort of momentum and help others through my story and through um, my art. Because that's what I really love to do is um, be creative and artistic. Uh, so would you consider think, those your anchors, yeah. dancing and, and your, your artist, photographer, speaker? Is that your anchor? Is that how you stay grounded, keeping to your art? Yeah, yeah. I definitely, um, I would say that's how I, for me at least, that's how I've stayed grounded. And I believe for me um, that has help, really helped me 
to be positive and um, to definitely see the I like to see the to see the light in the journey with my brain tumor because I definitely have see my brain tumor as a journey and I've expressed this to many people that I don't see it as a diagnosis I see it as a journey I get to tell my story and express my um, my feelings my thoughts through a visual um, standpoint whether it's in my photography or painting or whatever because I really like art in general through anything to acting to fine arts um yeah it definitely has really helped because um I'm also um on the side note I'm also dyslexic as well so when I've um found things to be hard in general I I draw things out I figure things out in more of a visual sense and that's how I see see my life I um I see my life as a an an art piece and it's constantly being worked on so yeah well that's incredibly inspiring we got about two minutes left for the interview but I want to make sure people know that you're on Twitter and what is your handle on Twitter um it's Kiwi Creative so K-E-E-L-Y Creative yeah Great at Keely Creative, and do you blog? Are you on Medium? How can people read what you're writing or see your work? Um, yeah, I have a um, I do have a blog. It's um, Caitlin's Life One Hundred and One, and then I also have um a, a Facebook page, also called Keely Creative. Well, that's wonderful. Look, your story is so important, and I don't think there's enough attention put to, A, life after cancer or life after tumor. And I don't know if you've seen our manifesto, but from the day I started this organization, it is in our DNA that benign tumors can be just as devastating as malignant ones. And everybody is equal, and the playing field is leveled when you're not 80 with cancer. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And um, that's actually through my own story. That's why I'm actually writing a children's book and illustrating as well about um, brain tumors and telling a story through a child's point of view of having a brain tumor. It's going to be titled, I Have an Extra Little Sparkle in My Brain. I like it. We'll have to get you back on when it's published. Yes, I'm I'm trying to get myself motivated and pushed to get it done. Well, Caitlin, thank you for being strong, for being amazing, and hopefully we'll see you in Chicago when the road trip comes through this April. Yes, yes, I, I would love that. All right, well, we'll be in touch. Good luck, and thank you for joining us on the Stupid Cancer Show. All right, thank you so much. All right, Caitlin Keeley, everyone. All right, Kenny. And now the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That's events.stupidcancer.org. Sign up for meetup alerts and never miss an event again. If you'd like to host a meetup and learn more, visit stupidcancer.org forward slash meetup. 
All right, Matthew, we've got some meetups happening. Uh, we have Wheat Ridge, Colorado, San Diego, California, and Anchorage, Alaska. No one should face cancer alone because isolation sucks. Download Instapeer for iPhone, iPad, and Android. Create your account and instantly start chatting with someone just like you who's been there and walked in your shoes. Join our community of thousands of cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers right now on your mobile device. Instapeer. We launched a new street aggregator on Tumblr for all the articles, blogs, and stories we couldn't possibly have the time to post on social media. Check out what we're reading 24-7 and don't miss a beat. Subscribe at stupidcancer.org forward slash feed. For young adults, clinical trials are a red hot mess. So we at Stupid Cancer are throwing our hat in the ring to make some sense of the madness. Introducing I Am Not a Trial. Real young adults, real faces, and real stories plucked straight from our own community. To learn more and watch the entire video library series, go to IamNotAtrial.com. Support our programs and services by heading over to stupidcancerstore.org. You'll feel great and look great in your new stupid cancer gear. That's stupidcancerstore.org. Be proud. Wear stupid cancer. And that, that is, is your, your stupid, stupid cancer, cancer news. news. All right. In our main segment here, David and Annie Iterino have been together for five years, married for two. They own Mount Dora Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy located in Eustis, Florida. Annie is currently in the midst of her own cancer journey as they work together to provide support to others and to stay on the mats and train. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, David and Annie Iterino. Hello. How are you, sir? Good. Annie, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Great. I am uh, was very inspired when I first heard your story, heard about what you guys are doing down in the... Uh, the Sunshine State? Is that what it's called? I'm really bad at states, but yes, the hot Florida state. Yes, and, yes sir. And uh, we love to share stories, and we love to give smaller organizations uh, a great stage to share what they're doing and the good work that's going on in your neighborhood. So I think it would be really appropriate to start with Annie, and you are a, you know, the, the disease so nice you got it twice, two-time yes, cancer survivor. Why don't you tell us yes. your story? Yep, we, uh, well, back in, um, it's been roughly, the first go-round was uterine cancer, and that was back in the early 90s, and that was, they, I was very blessed that they had caught that one quick enough, and then after that, um, more recently, it's been a year, back in March, I was diagnosed with the so-called, it's the best cancer to have, thyroid cancer, which has um, really took our uh, lives for a world, because it's, it was very unexpected, and I went through, and we had 12 weeks of unpaid leave that we were expected. You know, everybody set us up for this, hey, quick surgery and then radiation, then you'll be good to go to you're out of work for 12 weeks. So um, through our organization, is that's what's pretty much carried us through. <clears throat> yes. I, I Don't you just love when you're told it's the good cancer? I tell you, I, I joke around with everybody. Because we do jiu-jitsu, one of the main um, tap-out moves is choke out. I, I want to meet that doctor that says, um, oh, it's the good cancer. This is the best cancer to get. I want to choke him out for those statements because nobody really truly understands the the journey of it and the fact um, that we recently had found out that once you take the radiation, you're now at an 86% chance to have a reoccurring cancer in another organ. 
Yeah, that whole gift that keeps on giving thing from getting, quote, cured. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, uh, David, you've been the caregiver for Annie and now the phenomenal husband of Annie for a while now. Yes, sir. What's this been like for you? We, we often uh, dismiss or forget to acknowledge that caregivers go through their own unique challenges when all you want to do is to have the person you're caring for feel better. It's hard to care for yourself at the same time. Yeah, well, you know what? I I uh, I, I just she, she's my sweetheart, and and when uh, when they said uh, death to his part, I, I meant it with all my heart. Um, you know, I, I seen uh, she treats me as well. I just I had to give it back, you know, and and it was my pleasure to do it, and I'll do it again if I have to. You know, that's just who she is, and that's who we are. You know, we we, we love each other unconditionally. We help each other, and when it, when and it's in everything, teamwork, it's everything so far. So. I really appreciate her as much as uh, you know our relationship so much. So Annie, going back, your your first cancer was uterine cancer. There are really no symptoms for that until you actually have it, correct? Or what was your experience? That's correct. Um, I had some typical uh, little female issues um, in the beginning, and then um, after a couple checks, they're like, "Oh, we'll just keep watching it. We'll just keep watching. It. Nothing to worry about." And then I didn't do as the doctor said, and I end up and I let it go. Um, I was supposed to go every three months, and I let it go, I think, nine months. And within a six-month time span, it had spread through my uterus and into my fallopian tubes. Um, And I had just had my second daughter at the time. So she was, um, she's, what, 12 now, so it's been 10 years. So hearing, you know, 25, 26 years old, and, yeah, you can't have any more kids. Well, yeah, fertility is one of the least discussed national understandings that make cancer in your teens and 20s and 30s different than being 80. Yes. <clears throat> so, yeah, and anytime there's a gynecologic cancer, clearly you're and you're dealing with your ovaries, uh, the risk of not being a mom again or at all in the first place is something that probably needs to be discussed up front. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that was probably the hardest part for me was you know, going through this, I never expected it. We didn't have a whole lot of cancer that ran through the family. So when they first went with the first round and then now with the thyroid cancer, you know, it, it's been, it's it's crazy. The the pills alone, I went from taking a, a pill pack a day to taking, I now have to take 28 pills a day. And as of right now, that's 28 pills for the rest of my life. Two, two of those pills, if I stop taking them, I'll die within two weeks. They don't tell you any of that up front. Yeah, that that's a nice little hook to keep you into the healthcare system forever. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's talk about. First of all, congratulations! Uh, it's a this is a really big deal. We love to have these important stories on every show that we do here at Stupid Cancer. Uh, remind me how we were first connected because uh, we we've, we've done a show a couple of years ago of a dojo uh, in Chicago that uh, provided like free. Um, mind body and and free uh i think it was tai chi to cancer patients but it was so interesting that this is a night and and even our one of our 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 former guests um who's still here in studio runs an organization called survivor glam squad and they give free makeovers to women with breast cancer and all cancers and even men now with cancers this quality of life factor is just so unnourished in our everyone thinks you're cured go home but you guys have made a difference to other people through your work. Talk to us about 
the uh, the program? Absolutely. We uh, started a grappling for life because shortly after I was diagnosed within a month, we had one of our other students, <clears throat> and I apologize, I have a cold now. Um, one of our other students, her dad, was diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> and <clears throat> she had come in with a check and said, look, <clears throat> this is going to be Victoria's last month. She's not going to be able to, to afford it any longer. <clears throat> and we're like, okay, what's going on? Talk to us. Because we're, we're, we make friends with our students. It's not just a, hey, come pay, you get to train. We're, we're more than that to, to all of our students. And then uh, the mom had started crying and, you know, we're losing our house and, and my husband has cancer and he's going to die. So at that point, that really struck home for us. And my husband, he looked at her, he goes, I can't let you do this. He ripped up her check and handed it back to her and he, he said, we're sponsoring her. And, she, and she's like, no, I can't let you do that. You know, and we're like, this is our blessing to you. We can't help you financially because of what we're going through right now, but this is an outlet for you and for your daughter. Just come. So really at that point for us, we said, we, we got to reach out because there's more families out there besides the ones that our immediate families that train. There's got to be families who need this support. They need this outlet. And if they can't afford to do it, just come. Come, get on the mats, meet people who truly care about you and want to see you do better, whether it's, it's here at the gym or in life in itself. So what kind, I can only imagine the guilt people have because no one really wants a handout, but we just want to help. What's been the response you've seen from your community? Um, it's been kind of slow at first, but we did a women's seminar, um, a women's only seminar about three weeks ago. One of the girls that came, one of the women, she, she volunteered. She wanted to say a prayer at the end of the, uh, the session. We're like, okay, cool, no problem. She said the way she felt when she came in the door that there's something here, there's an aura about this place that is just going to take off. And within the last two weeks, we've probably had at least uh, 15 people that have come and said, hey, can, can I train? Or members who have joined. Well, that's remarkable. Yes, it, it, it's huge. And we've reached out to two of the local schools and asked the local schools, give us 10 kids, give our information to 10 kids that you feel need it, whether they are being bullied, they're the bully, or you know that their family's going through some kind of medical or financial struggle, send them to us just so they have, a, have an outlet. Well, the martial arts have such a key mental component to them, the mind-body, not that I've done this, but I'm, I'm basically Wikipedia-ifying myself from what I've seen and read. And are you noticing that people are leaving after their, their sessions like calmer, happier? Are you, are you following? Are they coming back? Actually, uh, here, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. Um, it's gotten a lot. I actually, I had a few that were troubled kids and I, I, uh, they were kind of a bully. Now they're yes, sir. No, sir. Um, and they're saying, man, this is not the same person no more. They act different. So, yes, we do. I mean, I, I've seen a difference. And I actually talk to the parents afterwards. I'll say, how are they doing? You know, what can I do better? Um, so after basically every class, I kind of say an additional maybe half an hour more, and I actually do talk to I try to talk to each and every person. And if they want to talk, it's, you know, I never turn anyone down. You know, they want to talk. I mean, I mean I'm not like Montana Williams, but I'm willing to, right. you know, hear someone and, and show, show them that this academy does care. And it's this is not about money. This this is about uh, loving one another. You know, this, that's, that's how I see it. Because when I was growing up, I didn't have money to train. 
had to do uh like clean the academy, help do this, do that, to do it. And I, I just I want to I want to change my county. I want to change one person at a time, one family at a time, and that's what I want to do. I, I want to make a difference, and you can make a difference. Just it's one person at a time. No, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Yeah. David, is your background in the martial arts? Are you a sensei? Yes, I actually am. Uh, I've been training martial arts for since I was four, and I'm 39 now. And I have a fifth degree black belt in karate, and I'm actually a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, and but I, I, this is my passion. Wow. I, I love to do it. Yes, sir. And Annie, you're following in uh, David's footsteps. I'm reading your purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes, sir. Um, uh, our daughter did uh, karate for a long time in the competition scene, and I never really got into the karate. But then uh, when I met David, uh, we started uh, hanging out. And I'm like, I don't want to do the, the jiu-jitsu. I just want to hit the bags. I want to do some kickboxing. Right. <laughs> and then finally I said, oh, I'm a runner. I run every day. I run three miles. Your class is nothing. I got your class. And I took his class, and I was wiped out. And at that moment, I fell in love with jiu-jitsu, and every day I'm like, hey, babe, can we roll? Hey, babe, can we roll? Even after my my surgery, the first first question I asked the doctor, um, when can I get on the mat? And she's like, well, tell me about this. I said, well, it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I didn't even get Brazilian jiu-jitsu out of my doctor saying no. Right, of course. So. <laughs> of course. But that's it's it's become our life. Our, our girls train. We both train, and it's we love it. It's you know the the atmosphere and the people that we meet and just spending time with people is is what makes it worth it. So, Annie, let me ask you then: um, Is being this skilled in the martial arts a good uh, sort of a steam valve release to the daily rigors of just managing your thyroid cancer? Um, absolutely. At this point, I'm still going through the process of. One thing we never understood with thyroid cancer is that, and I think one of the doctors that we met with um, kind of connected the dots for us, is uh, the, the thyroid is the carburetor to your car. Without it, your car's not going to run. And that's where this little pill is supposed to work in. And uh, for me, trying to find the energy and the balance, because I work a full-time job, plus I do this, is very hard. And I still have not found the balance, but when I come to the gym and I see these kids and they smile and they tell me they're happy to see me, it lights up my life, and that's where I get my drive. And for my husband, for everything that he did for me when I was going through the surgery and having the girls there, they look up to me. I'm like, I can't quit. I I love this. I don't want to let them down. As much as they did for me, I can't let them down. If you don't mind, I'd like to take uh, the rest of the interview. We got about five minutes left to to talk about your kids, children of young adults facing cancer, are often. What do you say to them? How do you talk to them? Different ages or different engagements. And my kids are five. I, I mean, I have. I, did, I was in college when I was six, so I didn't have to have this discussion. But you had two existing children when you were diagnosed, and you, you've been living with this and going through this. This has been your life. How have they been handling this? Um, well, it was pretty hard. So our oldest is 16, and our youngest is 11. Uh, she'll be 12 in like a week. She's giving me that look. Uh, no, nice. Mom, I'm almost 12. <laughs> um, they faced cancer with uh, older par- like uh, grandparents. Stuff like that. So when they immediately heard cancer, they immediately thought death. And then so that was that first initial step, well, are you going to die, Mom? And I'm like, no, of course not. We're not going to die. But coming to the sense of, of having to walk to your child and say, hey, we got to talk about something 
and to have to look them in the face and say, hey, we, we got to struggle, we got to get through, and this is cancer, and this is what we're going to do. Um, I would say uh, we were very, we don't believe in hiding anything from them, so we were up front from the very beginning. And the hardest part was during the radiation, it's a different kind of radiation than, than regular radiation. We take this magic bullet that they say, and the minute you take that magic bullet, you can't be around anybody for seven days. So having to say goodbye to them was probably the hardest. And then when they came home to see me, it, it, it wipes you out. It makes you really, really sick. And they walk in, and you could see the look on their face when they saw me. They knew I was really sick at that point. Um, but we are, we're, we're open. We talk. So any fears, anything, any uh, questions, we, we just ask them. And then the one thing that we always did is, is uh, their bedroom door, they have this little chalkboard on it. And uh, we would leave little notes back and forth. And one of the notes uh, said, my mommy's a fighter. She's going to beat cancer. So it was little motivational things we would do back and forth. Well, that's really important. Again, it goes back to when you're not 80 and you have children, how do you deal with this? And where do you find even the strength or the peer support or the wherewithal to know what have other people done? I guess my, my the next question is obvious. Are your children into the martial arts or do they have no choice? Absolutely. They, you know, they do have a choice. Um, and and we, we stress to them at the point that if they're bored with it and they're tired of it and they don't want to do it, they don't have to. But the fact that I can look look at uh, our kids in the face and know that if they were to ever get approached by a man or somebody, they can protect themselves. We put our, our 16-year-old against the men in the class, and she holds her own. Wow. And as a mom, I'm going, thank you, Lord. This, this is a good thing. And for, you know, Kaylin, she's almost 12, we put her against the boys. Because when she goes to the tournament, she may face boys, she may face girls, but they're tough. And this was their outlet and their way to deal with the cancer indirectly. If they, did, if they didn't feel comfortable talking, they could go punch the bags and get the release. I see uh, the girl that we talked about in the beginning, her, when her dad passed away, he passed away two days before Christmas. And her mom's like, I need to bring her. I absolutely get her here. We let her go to the bags, and she hit the bags for 30 minutes, and she started smiling, and, and you could see she needed that release. So important. Really, really important. Uh, final question then, um, where or have you at all found other women or other married couples who've been through similar experiences? Have you found your peers online or at events uh, since then, or have you been able to be, has anyone reached out to you to ask you how did you get through it? Um, I found a couple like links or Facebook pages of um, like thyroid cancer specific um, it, it, sometimes you, you have, see some stuff that you can lean off of, but I haven't really had anybody reach out to us directly. We have, um, at our facility here, we've had people who've reached out and said, you know, how did you guys get through this? You know, how do you guys handle going through this being a newly married couple and the challenges that you've faced? But as far as the actual thyroid cancer itself, um, not not specific to the thyroid cancer. I just figured I'd ask. We like to know how people get through it, and, and we, we like to say get busy living, which you clearly are by beating the, the snot out of things, uh, which I envy, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, we, and you know, we truly appreciate you. Uh, I know you guys saw the video and the documentary that David did for uh, Grappling for Life, and I can say for me, David was, uh, like you kind of mentioned in the beginning, the 
the uh, caretakers are forgotten a lot about, and they for, their their feelings aren't taken into to account. And you know, David was my rock through that whole entire thing. And there's not a moment that he, you know, left me by my side. He's been to every single one of my appointments. And you know, if it wasn't for him and the girls, I, I'd be I'd be lost. <laughs> well, David, you hear that? You have a uh, someone likes you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm the one that's lucky. <laughs> Well, very cool. I, I'm so happy to have you guys on the show. The website is grapplingforlife.org. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Grapplingforlife.org. If you live in, where are you, southern Florida? I, I don't know Florida. Lake County, Florida. Is that, yes, Lake wh- County, Florida. Give me, give, give a, a, an ignorant Manhattanite a, a general, are you near Disney or are you near Miami? That's all I know. Uh, if, <laughs> if you were in Orlando, we're... Uh, 20 minutes north of Orlando, and I'll even say anyone that comes to the state of Florida and just wants to train one class or wants to do a self-defense class, open our doors are open, and that's for anyone. Well, fantastic. David and Annie Idarino from Grappling for Life, thank you so much. God bless, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. You guys. God bless. Keely, what do you think? Not only did you sit in on the show and make your friends and work people, you have a special shout-out. You got to make up shout-out. Yes. Tina Wizzy. There you go. My beautiful friend. And the world as well. <laughs> yes. So what do you think? This is the podcast. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing to hear, you know, the different stories of, you know, what, what people go through and the strength. It's yes. all about the strength. So, I mean, it's it speaks to how, you know, the, the word cure gets thrown around all the time. And the only people that really think that that matters are people that don't, thankfully, are out of the bubble. And we're in the bubble, and we don't really need cure in the same sense. We want to be well, but what does well really mean? So you guys do great work at Survivor Glam Squad. I'm very excited to mm-hmm. see what you guys can come up with in Denver yep. uh, with our attendees. We've recharged our batteries from last year. We're yeah. ready to get our glam on. It's going to mm-hmm. be wonderful. SurvivorGlamSquad.org. Uh, any final comments from the peanut gallery? I'm already on the beach. Yep. Kenny's on his way to Aruba. All right. Well, with that said, it is now... Oh, wait. CancerCon. Oh, we that thing. That, that giant event we just mentioned. That thing that's happening in ne- like 75 days. Nearly yes. sold out. CancerCon.org. Tweet chat tomorrow night at 11, uh, 9 p.m. 9.30 p.m. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Hashtag CancerCon. Yes. All that good stuff. All right. Well, it is now time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show. The 374th episode of The Stupid Cancer Show. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Like to thank our guests, Caitlin Keeley, David, and Annie at Reno, and the lovely and talented Keeley Webster from Survivor Glam Squad joining us in studio. Broadcasting since 2007, The Stupid Cancer Show is a production 
of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. Coming to you from the Kilo Deck, and on behalf of my team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, we hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here on the next exciting podcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. Goodbye, folks. 